Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today's episode of the Obstacle Racing Media Podcast is sponsored by Inside Tracker. Today, more than ever, it's essential that we do all the right things to keep our bodies healthy. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. Transform your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. I just did it. I just got my DNA and blood work back, and I had a long call with Jason from Inside Tracker, and we go over all of it. I learned a ton. Be looking for that episode coming up soon. Are you ready to take control of your health and wellness journey? Unlock the power of your potential with Inside Tracker. Get 30% off today at InsideTracker.com with code ORM. That's 30% off with code ORM on Inside Tracker. That's InsideTracker.com. Good day, everyone, and boy, am I excited, first of all, to bring you this episode, which many of you have viewed the 20-minute version on the YouTube. Uh, Thanks for that. You know I need the clicks, and today we're going to get the full, full version, Uh, but this was already scheduled to be the first Tuesday on time, on scheduled podcast. As you know, I'm a guy that wings it. It's a big part of my personality. It's a big part of how I do things, and there's a lot to be said about that. However, it is about time with as many episodes as we have going on that I give you some consistency. So if you paid attention to the Instagram post from last week, Tuesday will be ORM interviews, like the one you're about to hear. Or say when I'm at a finish line at a race and we do lots of that kind of fun stuff, on location, if you will. Wednesday will be Davis and Chase. That's right, Obstacle Discourse with Davis and Chase. We've been running about, I don't know, two years now? Josh Chase and I get together, we talk about obstacle racing news, with some pop culture news, some technological news, and we occasionally have a guest on there as well, but it's mostly me and Josh going ham. Fridays will be the all-new Nitty Gritty Training Podcast with Jess and Faye. Many of you have been giving us some great feedback about this, so a minimum of three episodes a week here on the Obstacle Racing Media Podcast channel. It's all going to be one feed for your listening pleasure. What about the Rye Reasons, Matt? I listen to those guys. Okay, they're going to be whenever. I'll be honest. I'll sneak them in Thursday. Sometimes they might be the same day as uh, Faye and Jess. I'm just not exactly sure. Uh, We're going to record on Wednesdays, and then I'll sneak it in there uh, when we're done. Maybe that same day sometimes. Who knows? But I want to give you at least consistency on the other three. Having said that, Davis and Chase is going to come out early this week. So as I'm recording this, now I'm waiting to have a call with Josh. I, I hate when I, it just doesn't make sense. It's, it's, you, you get how time works. I'm about to record it, but you're going to hear this second. So if you haven't heard Davis and Chase, uh, breaking news, Battle Frog coming back, it looks that way. We're going to go into a lot of it. I put out a quick video. You can watch that. Uh, but by the time you uh, hear this, 
Uh, Josh and I will have recorded a lot of fun information. So it uh, doesn't matter what order you listen to. Uh, just go listen to both. Listen to this one, then go listen to that one. Uh, Courtney, on today's program, Courtney DeWalter, who I've wanted to have on the show for quite some time now. I'm glad I finally got to sit down with her and talk about a lot of ultra running and a lot of other stuff too, like movies and other fun stuff. Uh, please dive right in and enjoy. Away we go. Correct microphone. This is the good mic. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, we're here. We did it. Where are you? Where am I reaching you? Good morning. It's... uh. I'm in Colorado. Of course you're in Colorado. Bright and early. Where all the runners live. <laughs> we just got some snow yesterday, so I'm excited to switch gears to some winter sports here soon. Do you have a, um, do you have, um, do you have snowshoes? I have, not really. I have like some really old, big clunky ones. I don't have any that I've tried running in. I know that people do a lot of snowshoe running. I do um, cross-country skiing and then like snowboarding or downhill skiing. What about schemo racing? Do any of that? I've never tried. I would love to. This winter, I hope to learn how to do the uphill skinning. <laughs> well, Courtney, we don't know each other at all, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know about you. You have no idea who I am, right? Yeah, so I can ask questions back. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't know, I assume like either Maggie or, or um, Amelia introduced us together, right? Probably like you should talk to Matt. He's a good person. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I believe we were introduced through Maggie. Right. So um, speaking of big and clunky, I, I want to talk to you about basketball shorts <laughs> because that's, that's the thing that I like. You're very like you're very distinctive for that and – it's like, so in obstacle racing, that's what, that's what I do. Right. That's what, that's how I know Amelia, you know, that's like the, 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 you can always tell the new people at the race because they're wearing the baggiest, heaviest clothing, right? They're wearing <laughs> sneakers with no tread and they're wearing basketball shorts because it's, it's, it's not jeans and they think, well, I should wear something. And then when the, when the basketball shorts get wet and muddy, they, it now weighs a thousand pounds. Right. Yeah. So here's this woman <laughs> who chooses to race uh, for a really long time in clothing that is not designed for that. And if you're, if you're sick of talking about it, that's fine, but it's just, I got to start with talking about the basketball shorts. Yeah, let's do it. Um, well, I disagree that they're not designed for it because they're, I mean, you're still able to move your legs and they're the ones I race in are really lightweight. So they don't hold a ton of water. They're not going to fall down while I'm run, running. And, uh, I think that you should wear what you're comfortable in, whether that's, you know, really tiny split shorts or long, longer basketball inseam shorts or tights or anything in between. Why not? Uh, so are they like, like MJ inspired or it's just always been what you're comfortable in or? Growing up, I always gravitated towards the longer shorts. So um, it just was how I dressed when I did athletic things and when I jumped into ultra running, it didn't, I didn't see a reason to change that. I don't need to be aerodynamic to run hundred miles. <laughs> C correct. Um, so I just, they, they just, um, uh, where, where can I find some thin, like what is your brand of choice? Right. Cause Solomon doesn't make those. So like, what is your, what is those your are like, Solomon? Those are Solomon. Yeah. They have some really lightweight material in their shorts, and then they have a variety of lengths 
for inseam. So do you just order like a men's large then? Uh, if I'm if I'm buying off, yeah, off the shelf, I'll go in the men's section for sure. The ones I race in are um, currently, those are custom to like the inseam length that I wanted specifically and uh, the waist size and everything. So those ones can't currently be bought online. Do you, do you have a line? Uh, not right now. No. Oh, are they working on that? <laughs> would you buy some? I wouldn't buy some, but I think a lot of people would. <laughs> I'm being serious. Yeah. Well, I think it's a great option to, um, you know, have for anyone who men or women who just don't feel comfortable or um, sometimes the short shorts, you end up fidgeting with them a bunch because they, you know, ride up in different spots or spandex shorts can get hotter, I think. So I concur. It's a good option. Well, you know, in, in our sport and obstacle racing, a lot of guys will just wear like what is essentially undershorts, right? And it kind of like is a little too, uh, what's the word? Showy for me, right? Like I'm I'm a 48 year old man, I'm kind of modest. So like, I, even though it makes me faster, I'm always gonna wear shorts on top of that. Like I'm never not gonna wear, I tried it once and I was like, yeah, this is not happening. I'm putting <laughs> another layer on, even if it means it's slightly heavier or I'm less aerodynamic, I can never quite yeah. uh, go that way. Because we do better when we're comfortable. Right. And so for me, that's why I wear the long shorts because I'm comfortable in them. And then when I'm running, it's, you know, I don't have to think about it at all. So, but I was being serious though, because you are a sponsored athlete. Uh, I would think that they would maybe be working on some stuff for you. Right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. That would be really cool. I think like you could become like the, sh your shorts could be the equivalent of like the speed goat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the thing that people get like, oh, well it's named after that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool. We'll see. Stay tuned. And what do you, um, and what do you do in the rest of the world when you're not running? What do you do? Mostly just run. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I know a lot of people, even if they're professional athletes, they, you know, they work for a brand or they work at a, you know, shoe store or, you know. Yeah. Currently all I'm doing is, uh, being a runner. So a few years ago, I, um, quit my teaching job to pursue this full time and just see what was possible. And I am currently still doing that. So I that's, feel very lucky. That's awesome. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Um, what was your year going to look like when the year started like February, like before February, March, what, what was on the calendar for 2020? Oh my gosh. It feels like 10 years ago. I know. At right. This point. I know. Uh, my year was going to be focusing on Hard Rock 100, which is a 100-mile race in Colorado that um, gets a lot of climbing in high altitude, and then UTMB, which is a 100-mile race over in France, another mountainous one, um, and then Big's Backyard. So those were going to be my three focuses for the year. Right. So uh, we got Big's in. We'll get to that. Um, um, you've... You've now won Bigs. You won UTMB, right? That's correct. You've won Western States. Yes. Uh, is are you at a point in your life now where it's uh, what other things can I go and win? Like, what what does someone like you, who's a champion at things, think about when it comes to picking races? Uh, it's never about what things can I go win. It's about um, like what's intriguing to me. What provides a new challenge that is going to push me and uh then how well could i execute it on race day so 
I love ultra running for the puzzle that it provides. Like there's tons of pieces that you have to figure out along the way and then get right on race day. And sometimes, you know, that it becomes a total fail and you restart your puzzle. And sometimes, you know, you figure out some pieces and can build off of those. So um, for me, it's, it's all about like the physical and mental challenge of what races and distances can provide. Okay. So speaking of which, so I just watched the, uh, what's the, uh, what's the Tahoe 200 mile deal. What's that one called? The movie. What's the, what's the race called? Oh, it's called Tahoe 200. It's a good, it's a good yeah. name for it. Yeah. <laughs> so this, so this, this little movie follows you and it, it's talking about these problems that exist, but then you, you broke the record by like four hours still. I don't remember uh, what it ended up being, but yeah. They made it seem like, they made it seem like, oh, she's not doing as well as she thought. And then you broke the record by four hours. So I'm guessing, I don't know, there, there hadn't been a lot of women attempts at that record or I just, it seemed odd. Like they didn't quite match when I was, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, the 200 mile races have been around now for a handful of years, um, but for sure they're not as established as some of the older hundreds where, you know, tons of people have competed in them and, you know, pushed themselves. So I think we're still learning a lot about the 200 mile distance and what's possible with it. Well, so the hundred mile race, which, you know, some of our listeners, like not a ton, but many have attempted, right. Um, And you're looking at, you know, anywhere between, you know, 15 and 30 hours, depending on your speed. Like, like you said, it's, it's problem solving, right? Ultra running is, is problem solving. What, what exponential do we, do we go to for the second day? Cause we're, it's not times two, it's gotta be much greater, right? It's not just, yeah. oh, this is twice as hard or right. The amount of things that can go wrong. Um, how, how, at what, what rate would you exponentialize the second day, <laughs> night, the second 24 hours to go into? Oh man. Well, harder. Yeah. As you can, as you can see, Courtney, I'm great at asking questions. I'm, I'm phenomenal at it. So you can see why I do this. <laughs> it's perfect. It's harder for sure. Anytime you're adding hours of time and um, distance required to move, I mean, you're just opening it up to more problems that can occur and then more uh, like the domino effect can be greater. A problem that happened earlier in the race suddenly, you know, is affecting day two or day three of a race. So uh, I don't know the math equation that would be equivalent to, <laughs> to how much harder it gets, but for sure, just accumulating time out there means uh, you're likely to have a lot more things go wrong. Well, one of the things that, that I'm curious to learn about is something is going to go wrong. There's, there's no way you can not have something niggling even in a 50k even in a marathon right once you like go past an hour of running anything can like start to oh i i felt what was that was that a thing was that something do i need to worry about it and you know the idea of not finishing the idea of stopping uh seems very appealing and there seems to be there there's this line somewhere where someone's like well i'm gonna stop now because i fight for another day and i want to know how hard that is to decide for you because it appears, though, people that win consistently just figure out a way to not make that decision. But there could be a time when you do do permanent damage. So that just seems to be one of the harder things to decide at, at your level. For sure. I, um, 
over the years have just been learning to trust myself a little bit more and to um, trust that if it is something that's going to cause permanent damage, that I'll pay attention to it and I'll give it the, um, you know, caution that it requires in order to live race another day. But uh, for the most part, I assume that any of those warning flags that go up during a race are just basically my brain trying to trick me into stopping and making the hurt stop. And so I'll ignore all of those um, and assume that there's nothing that could or would make me stop a race. So it, that's not happened to you yet? It has, yeah. At uh, Western States last year, so last June, um, I got my calendar all mixed up. I'm like, which year are we in right now? Right. <laughs> but last year at Western States, I had a hip injury show up during the race where it was like taking me to my knees, buckling my legs under me every time I was trying to step on it. And uh, then the warning flags were coming up and we definitely tried to problem solve and, you know, whatever tape job I could try or whatever modified stride I could try. We did that, but it was like, no, I don't know what kind of injury this is. We should just call it and go get it checked out and make sure we're not doing more damage. And what, what did it end up being? It was like a tendonitis issue that had caused all sorts of uh, problems in the whole chain of my leg. So like there was a lot of alignment stuff that was off and um, just some muscles that had stopped working. They had gotten late. <laughs> so how long did it take you to recover for that? So that was at the end of June. And I spent the month of July uh, going to physical therapy a couple times a week and then on a road bike because uh, biking didn't cause any problems. And by early August, I was able to start doing some, some miles pretty consistently again. Uh, but it was basically all we did was uh, put a patch on the flat tire. And then I kept trying to race on it through the rest of the year. And by November, it was like, we've used up all of our patches. Now we just need to take some time off. So I was able to like temporarily fix it a couple right. times, but then November hit and I had re-injured it. And it was like, we got to just call this and uh, replace the, basically replace the tire instead of keep patching it. So then I took a few months off of running. How hard is that for you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was a bummer, but I also um, think in a very like fact-based way. And so it was like, this is the situation. Here's what I have to do in order to get it better again. So I'm all in on, you know, getting it better and being okay with sitting on my couch for a little bit or, uh, you know, hopping on a bike just to spin a little bit. But um, it was nice to have a few months off of training. I hadn't had that in years, basically, since I had started ultra running. I'd never taken an amount of time off. What, what sports did you play growing up? We were a big soccer family, so tons of soccer. And then once I got into um, like later in middle school and into high school, I focused more on uh, cross country running and Nordic skiing as my sports. So you went to a school that has Nordic skiing as a sport. Yeah. Yeah. In Minnesota, it's a huge, like every high school, I lived right outside Minneapolis. So our suburban high school had a cross country ski team, as well as all the schools around the area. They groom like every golf course and every local park has a groomed cross country ski track through the winter. It's nice. pretty cool. Yeah. I, I'm in Atlanta. This is where I grew up. We do not have that. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a well, even Colorado doesn't have that. Like 
down in Denver, those schools around that area don't have cross-country ski teams. Um, so I didn't realize how unique it was until I left Minnesota and saw the other options that were out there. So I had I had uh, Maggie, Amelia, and Sarah on the show the other day, and they were talking about what they went through at Biggs, and um, they all said the same thing in terms of you in that like you're like a machine like sarah's like i'm so emotional and amelia's like i'm so emotional and i just like you know i can have a good cry and then get back out there but i gotta i need my good cry and you don't really have that time at bigs but um they said you're just like you're just going for it do you do you hide it really well do you do you go somewhere and cry in the woods later when no one's looking no i mean for sure i was roller coastering like you do in any ultra where there were some you know pretty low spots mentally physically it was hurting but um, I definitely, during these ultras, try to just stay very fact-based. So leave the emotion out of it, assess, you know, what the situation is, what I can do about it, what I have no control over, and just stay kind of in that zone. Because I think it's, um, for me, it's more effective. Well, I think it'd be more effective for everybody if we didn't just go on our emotion. Well, not everybody, but... Um... Yeah, some people are fueled by that and it helps them, I think. Right. No, I'm, I'm more like that. I'm someone that like, like if you, like when you're buying stocks or you're playing poker or you're gambling in any way, like if you go, if you go with facts rather than your emotions, you'll probably be better off, but then there's, there's pros and cons to it. Um, but I'm just saying for you, is it just something you'd never show because it's just not who you are? Yeah. I would say in general, I'm not a super emotional driven, emotionally driven person. <laughs> Uh, do you ever cry? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, of course. Rarely though. I'm not a big crier. Do movies make you cry? Yeah. Which, which, Some movies, of them. which movies make you cry? Armageddon. Okay. <laughs> Good Armageddon. I mean, that's a, that's a guaranteed sob fest for me. Okay. What about you? Does that make you cry? Does Armageddon make me cry? No. Um, I have kids now, so a lot of kids stuff, like a lot of like you know, daddy son or daddy daughter yeah. stuff gets me. See, um, this is the reverse of it because Armageddon is the dad <laughs> staying on the asteroid, the meteor, whatever he's on. Right, but it's a little too on the nose for me. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Like it's a little too, like I'm trying to think I, of a good. A I, good... Should be, I should have more levels. I should be deeper. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> Let's not should. There's no shoulds there, Courtney. Uh, no, but this is a good question. Though, the things that make me, I'm honestly at this point now, this is embarrassing to say, but I think I've said it before, um, just looking at babies now. Like my kids are older. They're not that old. They're still young, but like I call it the grandpa gene because I didn't always, I didn't always act this way, but now I'm someone that if I'm, you know, at a coffee shop at an airport and someone has a, like a really cute baby, I'm like, look at that baby. You know, and I used to not be that way. <laughs> I'm super, and I don't want another one. Trust me, I don't want another one. We have we have three, and there are plenty. Um, people who listen to the show know how insane my kids are. Um, but yeah, I think I think more like with when the girl or the kid is like between six and ten, not mm. when they're not when they're Liv Tyler. Yeah, it's, okay. in her twenties. <laughs> but but listen, I'm always down for movies. Um, my favorite podcast these days is this show called The Rewatchables, where they go back and watch movies that you've seen a hundred times, like. Shawshank or you know Rocky Four. Um, yeah. Like, do you have movies that you watched over and over again? Ah, uh, Pitch Perfect. 
Have Isn't you seen that, that one? Is that a singing movie? Well, yeah, it's a comedy about an acapella group. Okay. It's the only one that I've ever bought on iTunes or whatever. So it's the only movie in my queue. If like there's nothing else on, then maybe I'll play that. Okay. Anything else? Because I've not seen well, that one. Yeah. I'm a, I mean, growing up, we would basically marathon the Die Hard series or Lethal Weapon. Okay. Now every, we're talking. Yeah. Every single year. Um, Shawshank Redemption for sure. have watched a million times probably. I don't, I mean, yeah, for sure. I've rewatched movies. I'm not uh, big into a movie phase right now. So there's nothing I'm like rewatching a bunch of times current. Uh, Die Hard one Christmas movie, correct? Absolutely. Okay, good. We can continue this conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love Die Hard. Uh, I saw Die Hard in the movie theater because I'm old enough. Um, it's it's it, it's like in my top 10. We did a top 10 movies. I think it's in the top 10. And then Die Hard 2 like, is almost as good, even though it's not, you know what I mean? Even though it's not as good because it's yeah. like Die Hard, the original introduced a whole new genre to us. But Die Hard 2, almost as good. I loved it. Yeah. I love the whole series. Maybe I'll have to cue those up this holiday season. But do you go even the later ones, like even the one with what's his name, even the one with Shia LaBeouf? If I'm committing to watching the series, then I'll do all of them. Okay, that's yeah. that's that's commitment. And what was the other series you mentioned? Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. Yeah, I can't say I've watched those in a really long time, but I do remember when the Joe Pesci one came out. It like changed our world, right? Yeah. Is that three? Oh, I don't remember, but. <laughs> Yeah, those are good. <laughs> um, so you don't stream anything now, even during the pandemic, you haven't gotten stuck watching a lot of stuff? Uh, yeah, for sure. We've, uh, I think, gone through the whole internet during the pandemic, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I like it. I think it's good entertainment and uh, it's just my husband and I during this all this quarantine stuff. So um, we were playing lots of cribbage and yeah, watching shows. There were a ton of series that came out that were cool and uh, also running a bunch because they didn't restrict our access to trails ever here. Um, I have not even heard the word cribbage in a really long time. Um, I think I think my grandmother played that game. Can you explain to people what cribbage is? Yeah, it's a card game, um, but it's a, like this wooden board with little pegs that you move along it to count your points and uh, your hand of cards, you're trying to make like 15s or pairs or runs, stuff like that. So a pretty classic game. I recommend people look it up if they've never heard of it. So a lot of, lot of uh, cribbage, a lot of running. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm someone that's, that's been running but hasn't really trained for a lot. Like I don't have a lot of A races. And then I kind of had my first big like post run thing. So uh, I was supposed to do Boston um, and then that got moved and then that got canceled. And then I was like, well, I, I have all this running. I like, I just kept, you know, I was, so anyway, I found this, I found this 50 K to train for and I did it. And I was like, man, I'm going to eat like a pig for a couple of days when this is over. Right. And I'm going to not run. And now it's like three weeks later and I still hadn't run, you know, like I'd run like twice. Yeah. And I love running and it's been so hard to start that like engine back up. And I've never really had this feeling of, of, I got to pick something now. Like what, like, what am I going to do? You know? So how, I guess my question is like during all this, not knowing when things were going to return, um, because I assume based on time and distance, you're going to, you're going to 
adjust your training, what were you, what were you doing? You're just like, all right, I'm just going to maintain and see what happens here. Yeah. And, uh, explore my local trails more than ever and do fun mountain adventures. I, uh, found through this that, um, I'm really running because I love it and not necessarily because I'm training for something. And so I didn't, uh, feel like a big lull in motivation during it. Um, but I totally understand how people were going through that and then finding unique ways to, you know, find that motivation or finding a, uh, zoom race they can sign up for to, uh, keep them accountable. So, yeah. Tell me though, how did the 50 K go? So I learned something real. So here's the thing, Courtney, I have, you know, they talk about, I just wrote this to somebody this morning. Um, you know, you learn the most through DNFs and I've learned a lot because I do this thing that a lot of people do and it's called magical thinking. Like I can skip half of these long runs, but then somehow find it on race day. And (laughs) I don't, and so I've, I've put it this way. I failed a lot and I've also like limped across the finish line a lot. Right. And so, um, I've, I've kind of discovered that. Right. So like for some people, like if it's your first 50 K ever, your first, whatever, even a marathon and like somewhere in the middle, you end up getting hurt and you walk, but you do it and you go, yes, I did it. So I've done that enough that like, I don't need to do that. I need to like, see what I can actually do out there. Okay. But, um, so I wasn't going to blow up, which is what people always do, including me go out really hard. Like my first hundred miler that I ever tried, I felt amazing at mile 25. Right. And I felt amazing at mile 30. And then at mile 40, it was over and I walked for like 15 and then I got like, and then I got, what do you call it? Uh, swept. You, you know what I mean? Oh, you did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, well, what happened? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, I didn't put the consistent training in. Right. And so for essentially eight months, I, I wouldn't say I never missed a run, but I never missed a run. You know what I mean? <laughs> Eating clean. I dropped all kinds of weight. And it's hard for me to keep it off now because I'm my later 40s. Anyway, so I wasn't going to go out too fast. And I was going to make sure I ran across the finish line. Okay. So, like at mile, so at mile 28, like I ran and, I, and it was like, oh, cool, I ran. But then I was like, oh, like I could have gone so much faster. But I was so afraid of going out too hard because that's what I had done before. I didn't trust my training is what it took me like a week to learn. Like, oh, yeah. I just needed to trust that I did have it in because I've known how to limp and I've known how to go out and blow up. And I just didn't trust like, this is what actually happens when you put six or eight months together. Yeah. So now it's like, I've got to sign up for another one so I can actually like push myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that kind of fun? Well, yes and no, because it's like, it, it is so much, right? Like to go back to the, and I already eat pretty clean, right? I'm not, I'm not going to McDonald's tomorrow. But, you know, to say no for me to, you know, just all the snacking I can do because I have kids and well, you, you just know when you're doing it right. You know what I mean? You just know like, you know what? I'm going to say no to chips today, even though what, what's the big deal? I can have a few chips and then two weeks of that and you gain eight pounds or whatever. So yes, it's great. And it's like, oh, I got I to gotta do this again. Like I got to commit and do it. Yeah. And, and again, trust me, Courtney, I love to run. It is my like release. And I, you know, there's never been a bad run. I've never not felt right. All that stuff. And it's work, right? Like it's work. Yeah. I mean, it's your job to you, but any job can still feel like work. You never feel like it's work. Uh, I think the like overpowering feeling for me about it is just like, enjoy this while it's here. Um, because you know, this ride will then end eventually. And, uh, so 
no, I don't really feel like it's work. I, I enjoy it. And, uh, I'm trying to be very like aware of how lucky it is to miss right now as my job. Well, I think What's the good cool thing about your, your next 50 K though, is now you're starting like, like you've built some blocks, you know, to jump off of for the next learned a ton. It will be work again, but here you are now you've leveled yourself up because you've gained all this experience. Well, I'm, I should have talked to you sooner because I've been bummed it's, out for the last it's whatever. It's exciting. And like your puzzle pieces, you figured out a few more of them and now you get to, you know, start with something already established and grow from that. That's cool. I hope you uh, find a race that like inspires you to, to get back out there. Yeah. And I definitely like appreciated it too. So it was in Blue Ridge, Georgia, like right at the start of the fall. So it was gorgeous and the trails were great. Um, and I made sure to like appreciate it for sure. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that, I mean, I think we all know what it's like to like, go, Oh, like I left something out there. Like I definitely could have had, like, I definitely could have done better. Right. And again, it's not like <laughs> for people who, who love doing 10 K's, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to work on my speed and we'll knock that. We'll do a 10 K in two weeks. Right. You just can't. It's like, all right, well, yeah. Gotta. So I also learned the, the, I think the most important lesson is actually what I'm talking about in that, um, it's okay to take a week or two off, but I can't, I can't, I, I can't go into that third week because it's re- like, I, I took, like I told my coach, I had a coach who I loved having. And I told her like, I, we were going to take off November and December and it's halfway through October. It was like, I need a plan without a plan. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I just, it's so much easier for me to, and even though I can still skip the runs, just having something on the calendar that says, do this. I'm just really like, okay, I can do that today. Yeah. Do, do you work with someone? Nope. <clears throat> no, I don't have a coach and I don't, uh, I, my brain works differently than yours where I prefer to not have a plan. So every day I uh, wake up and basically decide based on how I'm feeling, what my run or workout will do, will be that day. Yeah. So you like ultra runners are always saying that like, you know, like, oh man, just go without a watch. And I, I'm not even breaking any records, but I just like, I like seeing it on the Strava. I like, yeah, I, did, for I, sure. did, I did that today. And, uh, or I look at like when it shows you like a segment and you look at what you did a year ago, I just love that stuff. And yeah. I had this friend say this to me once and it was mind blowing. You ready for this, Courtney? <laughs> Wait, let me brace myself. Listeners. Are you, are you ready? He goes, Matt, even if it's not on Strava, you still ran those. What? And I was like, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but it really did blow me away. I was like, I guess you're right but I'm still yeah. someone that gets super frustrated if my Strava dies and breaks. And again, it's not because I'm looking for some amazing stat of heart rate or I just, I just like it. I'm just one of those people yeah. that likes it. Yeah, no, for sure. I am not that person at all. I don't have a Strava, but I understand entirely how, um, you know, that helps people. It motivates people. They like to see their routes and compare from year to year. My husband uses Strava and he loves doing that. Like, Oh, look how I did this hill this time versus, you know, two months ago, I don't, I don't need the data like that. Like, I guess my brain just doesn't work that way, but, uh, I definitely get it. What did you, what did you run this morning? I haven't run yet. I thought for sure you're going to tell me you already ran this morning. No, it's, uh, early here still. And we just got snow. So I was kind of letting things thaw a little bit. And what is, what does one, uh, put on their feet for snow? What, 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 what shoe, what, what, what Solomon brand is your snow brand? I, any of them really that have some tread. So even if I'm running roads, um, but it has recently snowed, I'll use trail shoes that just have a little more grip. So like the sense ride three from Solomon is perfect for that. Um, or the ultra pro, if you're going to do something longer, 
It has good cushion and good tread still. What shoes do you wear? Um, I am a huge fan of the uh, the Speed Goat 4. Um, I, you know, it's like when people, people are always posting, whether it's Ultra or, or uh, OCR, like, what shoes should I get? And it's kind of like saying, what do you like to eat? You know what I mean? Or what food should I eat? It's like, well, what do you like to eat? What do you like? Yeah. To, and it just, you have to, you, that's the, for me, that's the only answer is like, you're going to go through like 10 pair and then you're going to find the one that's like just right. Or you'll find one that you think you really like. And then a couple years later, you'll find a pair that you absolutely love and then they'll stop making it or they'll improve yeah. it. And you'll go, I want the old ones. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I just, for whatever reason, like, uh, Sorry, Solomon, but they're just too narrow for me. I've tried. I've tried to half size up, and I don't think I have a wide foot. But for whatever reason, uh, I've tried the Speed Crosses because um, those were a big OCR shoe, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I do like Speed Lacing. I will say I'm a fan. Some people aren't. I'm a huge fan of the Speed Lacing. Um, uh, but I can't wear. I can't wear the uh, the Speed Crosses. Yeah. Well, if you end up wanting to, you know, relook at shoes again, the since Ride 3 is wider than the Speed Cross for sure. So, um, but if the Speed Goats are working for you, then that's perfect. Like, I don't need ultras, put it to you that way. Some people can only run in those, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But if you're telling me they're slightly wider, I, I might take a look. Yeah, only, only if your feet need something different. Right. Yeah. And who's to say like who or why or wow, why? I just know that like, you know, I try, I try, I try. And then I finally go, yep, I love that one. So for, for mud, I love these, these VJ extremes. They're amazing to me and they're the perfect shoe and they make three different brands over like people in our sport. Like they're known for like, they were big in Europe, fell running and orienteering. Orienteering is a thing. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Did you watch this golden trail series? Yeah. Super cool. Right. And some of those people, like, that's what they do. They're like orienteers. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's a bigger sport in Europe. I know there's like professional orienteer racers. Right. But some people, so for these two, this brand that I'm talking to, have you heard of this brand, VJ? Okay. But some people, so there's a slightly wider version called the Max and people love those way more. And it's just like, for whatever reason, you just, you like what you like. So whenever people right. ask, what do you like to wear? And it's like, you just have to tell them, well, unfortunately, you're probably going to spend a lot of money over the next couple of years <laughs> learning, right? Learning what you like. Because even if you find a brand that you like, like I said, they might, they might change it. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you, so I watched... Um, I watched the, uh, there's a little YouTube clip of your, of your UTMB finish. And is that, was that 2019? I know the years are all messed up now. Is that 18 or 19? Uh, that was last year. Right. 2019. So, right. So can you talk about coming through that finish? Do you know, can you remember what that felt like? <laughs> oh man, it's a crazy race. It's, uh, like it goes around Mont Blanc, which is this huge, huge mountain that straddles France. Uh, Italy and Switzerland. And then uh, it goes through all these little towns and villages throughout the course where everyone comes out and cheers. But uh, when you make it to the finish line in Chamonix, it's like, I mean, it, it's hard to describe. And it, it was like a parade of people just cheering people like racers in, which is so cool. I was exhausted, like totally physically wiped out and uh, pretty like mentally tired. And so I, I was trying my hardest to soak it in and like, you know, look around and listen and feel everything. But um, it was, yeah, it was all kind of a blur. I was also trying really hard not to get knocked over by the high fives 
because I felt so weak that I was like, I mean, it was like crowds of people giving high fives and I was like, just don't get knocked on your back from this. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my feeling watching it is, you know, wow, not often in our sport do we get do we get crowds like, right? Like even yeah. the biggest races, even Western states or whatever, it's not thousands of people, you know, it's a couple hundred, whatever. And so that's what I was so blown away by. And looking at you and how happy you were and how excited you were and what that must have what that must have felt like. It was pretty cool. And uh, and then my husband was right there at the finish line, which like going through the town, I was, you know, notice I didn't realize how many people would be out. So I'm like noticing these crowds and I'm like, how am I going to find them at the end? <laughs> Luckily, he positioned himself very obviously after the finish. <laughs> right. He's, he f- he fig- he'd figured out a place to, to find you. Yeah, I should have known. He's so, a thinker. <laughs> so, so when you talk about those those puzzle pieces for for that race in particular, um, was how was how did the plan versus uh, result turn out? Um, a little differently for sure, but so Western States had been just uh, two months earlier where I got the injury and dropped out of it, and then the month of July I spent it on the road bike, and August had started running, and basically in like maybe the first week of August decided, hey, I'm gonna go line up at UTMB. I'm going to do the race and at least get the experience of the course and of, you know, racing in this place in Europe. That's, you know, the crowds and just the whole atmosphere is way like it's bigger than it is on at most races. So I just wanted to gain experience from doing it, but I had no idea how it would go. Um, So UTMB is then the end of August. So I had like kind of a month of trying to get my running legs back under me and then get on that start line with the mindset of um, not using the injury as a crutch at all or an excuse. Like I was pretending at the start line that I had been training like normal all year long and uh, then to just see what happened. But it like the wheels came off, it all crashed down pretty hard at around mile 70 where I was just smoked. I was throwing up and my legs were shot and I was overheated and didn't know really like how I would get myself to the finish line. Um, But that's when you just break it down into really small chunks. So I was able to process and think through basically the next step. So it was was just living like left foot or right foot. Like it was just living in, in the very moment. Like I couldn't think 30 miles to the finish line. I couldn't think 10 miles to the next aid station. I just had to stay right where my feet were and try to keep moving them forward. So, you know, stomach going sideways is a very common occurrence in ultras. And one of those that it it really seems like there's no rhyme or reason. One day you're rocking it. The next day your stomach goes sideways. So, so you just ride it out and hope it passes. Like, what do you do? Do you bring stuff with you? Do you bring little Tums with you? (laughs) No, I've never tried Tums as a fix for it, but um, yeah, you like, For me, I just will accept that it's happening and remind myself that it's going to be fine and then try to keep moving forward and try to get in any calories that might stay. So like trying different foods than normal if you have to, or like really slow sipping some calories, anything to just get some fuel back in. And how, so how long did that last between mile 70 and mile what? The throwing up? Yeah. Or just, just not feeling great. 
Uh, mile 70 to the finish line. Really? Which, which is how many miles? Or 30 K? miles. Right. Yeah. Um, what, yeah, that's a long time to not feel good. What, uh, I've heard those Europeans are a tough lot to race against. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're amazing. It's, um, I think just a more popular sport. A lot of them grow up, you know, on the trails and, you know, out exploring the mountains in Europe. And so they, uh, often have, I feel like a lot more experience out there. So you're, you did not think I'm going to win this one. You're like, let's just see how this one goes. Yeah. I mean, so it was, let's see how this one goes. Let's gain the experience of doing the race. You know, no matter where I finish, I was going to get experience out of it just by doing it. But then also standing at the start line, it was like, let's race like we normally do and go for it so that, um, we're not like, you know, making excuses before it even begins. Um, I've always heard, <clears throat> I've always heard that it's, it's easier to be the, to be the chaser than the person being chased. Um, what is it like for you? Do you feel like, <laughs> <laughs> I like both. Uh, I like chasing for sure. I think that's a fun game, but, uh, I don't mind being chased. A lot of times the women's field will like, there will still be more people to chase in front of you. So even if you're winning the women's field, you can still play the game of chasing people down by trying to catch some of the men. <laughs> Unfortunately for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I just did a six mile race the other day and there was this kid, we had this like just kind of looping thing at the end. And every time it, I looked back and I'm like, he's going to catch me. And when you're going, what you think is your fastest at the end, like it was, it was pissing me off. It was like, stop, dude. So anyway, that, and that was for like, eight minutes, let alone, you know, a day of like, is anybody going to catch up? I mean, I assume your, you know, your pacers or not your pacers, your, your crew or whatever tell you like, oh, you've got a 10 minute gap or a 20 minute gap, but it just feels like it wouldn't be too fun. Yeah. You can get, uh, updates like that, but, um, I never try to like, let that impact my race, no matter what the gap is or no matter where I am in the field, I want to leave everything out there every single time. And so I'm really like racing based on like an internal kind of gauge of effort and trying to make sure when I cross the finish line that there's no what ifs, there's no like, um, you know, wondering if I could have done better or gone a little faster or whatever. It's like, no matter who's in the race or where I am in the race, I'm going to be giving it everything I have. As a fact-based logical thinker type person, how much do you break down the race? Uh, after or before? No, before as in this pace up to this aid station, this like the map does this, like how much of that do you do? Not a ton of it. I, <laughs> so I am very fact-based, um, but I also am not like a data driven person. So um, I won't have splits that I'm working for the whole race. Like once the race starts, I'm going to be basing it off of that internal effort gauge and just going from that. So I won't have like a set mile pace that I'm trying to hit. I won't have a set time. I'm do you wear to a watch at all? I do, but mostly I just start it and then I stop it at the end. Like, <laughs> because if, if every moment I'm trying to do as well as I can in that moment, then I have to like trust that those moments are adding together to the best effort I could do that day. And if I'm, you know, throwing up or if something is going wrong, I'm still going to just do that moment as well as I can. And when it's over, I'm going to take the next moment and do that as well as I can. 
Well, you make it sound so simple, Brittany. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I just don't, uh, like the numbers don't translate for me to like being useful. <laughs> well, I'm this, I'm similar in that. I don't, I honestly kind of don't want to know, like, I kind of like, it's just more fun, but it did, it did sort of, you know, talking about what happened to me this last race, me and my buddy ran it together. And we said like, Hey, if somebody's feeling like they want to take off, they can, but let's kind of run it together. And then it was like, Oh, if we knew that all the up was in the first part, we would have saved, we would have just killed it the second half. Cause we, it never came. Like we thought, Oh, we got to save ourselves. So yeah. that part kind of was like, Oh, like, like there were nine miles of fire road and we should have just booked it on the fire road because we didn't know there was nine miles of it. We just thought it was going to end any minute. So yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So that kind of stuff, like if I'm going to a course, I'll try and educate myself on, you know, the general gist of the course and understand where maybe some of the really big climbs are or, um, what stretches might be really exposed and hot so that I can be prepared for that. So I, I don't go into races like entirely blindly. I'll like look at the profile or I'll read a few race reports if I can find them to, you know, get a general sense of it. Um, but after that, it's like, okay, now we just run because the course isn't going to change. Um, and what I can do on it on that day will just be what it is. But like for, a long race, for example, when my, when I see my crew, they'll always give me like, okay, this next section is 20 miles. There's a big uphill, a big downhill, and then some flat. And they'll like, just give me the general right. breakdown of it. So I can wrap my head around just that section. When you say you're not looking at paces o'clock, what question are you asking yourself? Uh, if I picture like a RPM meter or something, then I'll picture, you know, the red zone, the orange, the yellow, the green. And if I am just trying to stay in the orange, usually that's like where I want to be. So not, not like, uh, you know, killing yourself or your heart feels like it's going to explode because the races I do are so long, that wouldn't be very useful. Uh, so staying out of the red zone, but like if I'm down in green or yellow, probably I could be pushing a little bit harder. I like that rule. So it's just like, we're just going to hang out here in the orange and we know when we're in the red or we're going too slow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about bigs. Let's do it. What do you think of that format? Not for me. Because of which part? Um, so I did Race for the Ages. Do you know that one? Yeah. Yeah. So I loved Race for the Ages and that it was the first, that was the first race that I really pushed through what you were talking about. I never... It, I like all the, I, I, my race report about it said that I didn't realize that all the other DNFs I had quit on before I started or in, even in the, even when you get pulled off, like mentally somewhere I'd quit. And this was the first time I said to my wife, um, I'm not coming home without hundred miles. Like there's just, I'm just not right. Nice. And so to get to that point of, um, so this is the like example I'll use, right? So mile 76 or mile 75, right? This is amazing. It's like my head, right? This is amazing. I'm at mile 75. This is great. Wait, I have 25 miles left. That's a marathon. How can I do a marathon? I'll never do a marathon. Okay, wait, where are my feet? One step, one step, one step. Yeah. And I had to do that for a day and a half straight. And I'd never done that. I'd always just been like, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to make it. Okay, I'll quit. Like you eventually get to, this is yeah. stupid. Why am I doing this? I have nothing to prove. <laughs> it's not fun anymore. 
listen, I've used those excuses. Everybody's used those excuses. And yeah. I it literally became about one foot in front of the other. And I didn't know what that meant. Now I know what it means. And that's a great thing that I can use in the future. Not, well, I just did two steps so I can do 10. Nope. This one, now this yeah. one, now this one yeah. until that thought leaves me. And I start thinking about something else like a song or something pleasant, mm -hmm. but then it keeps coming back over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, that's so it, cool. Yeah. And it's a huge one. And it took me that to get, but it's like, okay, I'm cool now. I don't need to do this again for five years. Like that's a boring, that's a boring mile. That's a yeah. really boring mile. <laughs> um, also the fact that that's a Laz race. So we'll talk about Laz in a minute. And, you know, I, I put my little, my little race report out there and uh, you know, Laz wrote, looks like you, you, you found something out there on dead man's mile. And it was like, that kind of made my whole race too. You know what I mean? Because like, you know, being there with Laz and, and, uh, and his wife and you know what I mean? It's all Sandra. It's all part of it. Right. It's like my son was there with me. It was really great. Um, so I want to do, I definitely want to do ultras. I want to go longer. I want to do a hundred miler eventually. Um, I think, I think I really like 50 K, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's like, I can manage that for now. And I, I know I want to go further, but I know that I probably can't go fast enough to last very long Okay. for a day. So that's why I don't think I'd want to do it. Okay. But I, but I, I mean, okay, let me put it this way. It's fun to watch for us at home, but my biggest beef was um, Sandra and whoever was doing coverage would like turn their camera on to watch you guys leave. There's nothing interesting about that. It's like, yeah. well, there they went. I'd much rather them <laughs> watch you come in, like follow to your little tent. And, you know, I know you guys don't want to be bothered, but your brain is mush anyway. It's not going to matter. Just show it, show you <laughs> sleeping for two minutes, show what food you're getting, show you taping your leg. Like I found yeah. out all about it afterwards. I would much rather actually watched it than, um, than, uh, uh, than a thing. So anyway, I'm, I don't know the fact that the mile loop was so boring to me. I have no idea how people do the track thing for two or four days. Like that yeah. to me is, um, I, I don't know how you guys do that. Um, and again, I'm good with it. Like for a while. <laughs> that makes sense. It's, uh, those kinds of races are definitely like a different sort of mental challenge, like a track 24 hour race, for example, is hugely mental. Um, but it's pretty cool where your brain can go when you don't have to think about navigating at all, just keep turning left and you don't have to think about your footing. So you're not watching out for rocks or roots or whatever. Um, and then suddenly your brain has like all this space where you're running, but you get to like dig into some caverns that are way back there that, you know, you don't normally go to when you're running. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool, but it's also yeah, you've got to be in the right headspace to keep playing on a quarter mile loop like that. So for 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 bigs, um, they the when I talked to some of the women on the last call, they said the the night loop was actually worse because it's quote unquote easier, but there's nothing to think about because it's yeah. just it's just flat. And the and when you're in the trail, you go okay, I'm navigating, I'm navigating, and to keep your mind active on the boring part. What's it? What was it like for you? Well, I, I think that road is tricky because uh, suddenly your brain can think a lot. And so a lot of times people then start thinking about the miles that they have left that they're hoping to do or how far away morning is or, um, you know, like the niggles or, you know, things that are hurting, they have more brain space to pay attention to. And so then they can, you know, blow those up and, you know, be more worried about them than out on the trail loops where they didn't have the brain space to process that. I found the road loops to be pretty fun. 
I had some good nights out there where I was like just in a good zone of like a, a robot almost of hitting these paces along the way. Like I had um, this light pole where I'd check my time each lap to make sure it was good. And then uh, the turnaround. And I would just do a quick check there and I would be just consistently hitting the same thing without, you know, paying too much attention. And then I would come back and I would lay down, I would sleep, I would eat a couple bites of food, I would hear the one minute whistle, and then I would go back out there. And it was like, no thinking involved in it because I had just established this routine. And so all I was doing was executing the routine every single lap without uh, getting ahead of myself and stressing out about how many miles were left or how you know boring this road was. I was like comforted almost by the routine of it. Is it a silly question to ask what's the difference between last year and this year? Um, so I did it two years ago. Sorry, two years ago when you when you were second, but yeah. second is DNF, right? I guess that that's what I meant. Yeah, I think that first year I didn't, uh, I got ahead of myself and I would think about, you know, how much farther I was hoping to go and I would be overwhelmed by like four more hours of this until sunrise. I can't run back out to that far point at the turnaround four more times. Like it's, I just like domino affected like that road and that race does to you where you just get overwhelmed and ahead of yourself. And then, uh, I ran out of any emotional capacity or, brain space or physical like will to keep going. And could somebody have pulled you out of it if they had said the right thing, like your husband or anybody? I think, yeah, I think I really needed to pull myself out of that. And uh, I was lost at, at how to, but for sure, if someone had just forced me to try again and forced me to keep standing on that start line, maybe um, I would have been able to pull myself out of it. But in the moment, it felt like I, I felt like if I went back out for another lap, I would be roadkill and I would die out there on that road because I just felt like my battery level was entirely depleted. But so, who knows if that was like actually a thing or if like I'd gotten in my own head about it and I had, you know, done the thing that the road does to people where, you know, it gets in your head and it makes you think like and be overwhelmed and uh, snowball the right. whole problem into this huge yes. thing. So. Sarah was literally cursing the, the street. She was yelling yeah. at it. She, she, yeah. I'm not, I'm laughing because the memory of it is funny, not because of uh, what she was going through, but she uh, was, yeah, wearing her heart on her sleeve for sure. And she was struggling in that night section. She was like growling like a bear standing there. <laughs> She was amazing though. It was the women we had in that field and just the US team that we had out there was all just amazing humans. And also I think they were there for, you know, that search of what's possible. And like, so as a team, we were really working together to like boost up each other's spirits, you know, cheer each other on. We were there as a group and not like an individual who was set on winning. It was like, okay, we want to do something cool out here. And to do that, we need each other. So how do we you know, keep that momentum going forward. But we only had four women in the field out of 14. And when it came down to eight people left, all four of those women were still in it, which was pretty cool. How different, how does your mind feel when it goes from four to two or three to two? Like, and then it's just like, okay, well now here we are. Um, it didn't change much for me because 
I still wanted Harvey and I, he was the other person left at the end. We still wanted to just keep helping each other to go farther. So it wasn't like switching over to then trying to, you know, mentally freak each other out or play head games with each other. It was like, Hey, we're a team. We want to break that 300 mile mark. So what do you need? What do I need? Like, how can we work together to do that? Um, and Typically, it ends with somebody not coming back to the start line, but that's not what happened this time, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, he, so Harvey started the 68th loop, but I don't know how far he went out before he um, decided that he wasn't going to make it. And so he turned around. And when I finished, then I didn't know that he hadn't come out on the loop with me. Um, so they were all standing there cheering, and uh, Harvey was back there, and it was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> We're done now. It's a weird race in that way where the end is like, because there is no finish line, there's no like, you know, build up of excitement as it nears the end. It's like just doing the same routine every single hour and uh, assuming that you're going to be doing it for another day, another two days, whatever it is. Do you want to go back and go farther? Of course. Yeah. That's the cool Of course part she of said. <laughs> I mean, the race is set up in such a um, fun way where with no finish line, like the possibilities, it's wide open for what's possible. We don't know yet how long that could actually go. And with the rules, how they are, where um, after second place is done, first place does one more lap and then it's over. With those set up like they are, it requires at least two people to have a great day and to work together to keep pushing each other. And I think that format makes it really special. I had a thought and it just left me. Um, it's okay. We'll totally fix this in post. Um, <laughs> no, I love it. Just giving people a little space to think about it. <laughs> I do that too. Um, I'm not someone who plans things out. I don't know if you figured that out or not yet, um, but uh, that's, yeah, that's how I roll. <laughs> some people will, some people will get an interview set up and they'll say like, um, what, are you going to send me a list of questions in advance? And I'm like, well, what fun would that possibly be? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that. See where the conversation. Right. Like, I have no idea that you're a big diehard fan, right? Yeah. Now you do. Right. I know now we'll, we'll always have that, Courtney. <laughs> how, how, what is the correct pronunciation of your last name? Dewalter. Dewalter, not Dewalter. Nope. And Do. it is, what is that, German? It is German. Yeah. And what does it mean? Oh, <laughs> you don't know? Eater of nachos. Come on now. I don't know. Is it your last name or your husband's? I'm sorry. I haven't it's, researched this part. It's my last name. Yeah. And you, all people, all German people know what this, like, oh, my name is. Oh my know. gosh. I'm so embarrassed. Are you Googling now it? I have to look. Go no. Google it. It's okay. You can Google it. <laughs> we, we, you know what we should do? We what? should play that. We should play that internet game. If I type in your name, if I put according to Walter is, what do you think it says? What do you think it auto populates? Uh, geez, I don't know. I'm Try it do, and see. I'm gonna do it. Courtney. I'm nervous. De Walter. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna put is. I'm just gonna put. Okay. Here we go. We've got. Uh, it says Moab 240. Moab 240 time. Joe Rogan, husband, and 500 miles. Yeah. So those five things. Okay. Which of those five things do you think is the most interesting? <laughs> <laughs> Who's deciding that? Uh, for I don't know if you wanted to listen to one of the or wanted to click on one of those. Do I have to pay these websites to find out what Dualter means? No, I'm sure it. Are you Googling it right now? 
I looked it up, but it's a bunch of like ancestry type uh, right. websites. That probably pops up, right? Why don't you just go to German translator? What does your last name mean? Davis. Mm-hmm. Well, um, DeWalter, English detected. German is DeWalter. <laughs> let's put it in. Let's call this German. Let's switch it. Hang on. I'll tell you mine in a second. Okay. Uh, in English, it means Der Walter. That's what it says the translation is. <laughs> well, what's Dow German for? That's a start there. Dow German. Is it day? No. Day is something else. Okay. Dow means give. Okay. So we're halfway oh, there. All right. And what's Walter? Walter. Walter in German means, hang on, we're getting there. How do you not know this? Well, now you're making me feel like a fool. I didn't know I needed to look that up. You brought shame to your family. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So my last name is Davis, which is very English, um, but I'm pretty sure somebody changed it at the, um, what do you call it, Ellis Island? Yeah. I'm guessing it was probably David because my people are Jewish. And if you look at my ancestors, which are German and Polish and Russian, um, my mother's maiden name is Brackman. And her mother's maiden name was Rosengarten. These are really big Jew names. Yeah. And her mother's maiden name was Leventhal. These are Jewy, Jewy, Jew names. So um, I could have had any of those, but my dad's family came along and he's Davis. His dad was a Stein. Anyway, it's probably changed is what I'm trying to say. It's probably okay. David, but they didn't want, you know, people didn't want you to know that you were a Jew. So they, they changed it. Uh, I have not listened to the Joe Rogan interview. Did you enjoy your time on Joe Rogan? I did. Yeah. It was, he was fun to chat to and uh, he was very nice. It was cool to meet him. Um, did you get a lot of messages afterwards? Cause he's someone that can actually move the needle as they say like, Hey, I heard you on Joe Rogan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was pretty cool because his audience uh, isn't, you know, tons of ultra runners necessarily. And so it was like bringing this sport and awareness of this sport to a crowd that maybe didn't know it existed, um, which is pretty fun. Because it's a cool sport. I think more people should know about it. Well, it feels like, you know, when I got into obstacle racing is when I started running. And that was right when like Born to Run was happening. Like that book came out in whatever, 10, 11, and the whole barefoot movement was happening. And everybody was breaking their feet, buying (laughs) V-rooms. So, um, and then it kind of lulled, but it, it does feel like, I mean, I know my own YouTube algorithm certainly feeds me a lot of stuff because it's what I've started watching, but it it feels like there's more content out there, which means it's growing. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, there's some great people creating content. So there's tons of uh, really inspiring and fun to watch films about different races or different characters and races. Um, And yeah, I think it's getting some more like now when you say it, you don't necessarily have to describe the sport every time you mention ultra running to, you know, someone that you encounter. So I think it's becoming more widespread where people at least know it's a thing. Right. Well, I think a lot of people saw Barkley doc, right. Um, which kind of is what ultra running is about, but kind of not. Um, uh, so speaking of puzzle pieces, uh, it seems like that would be a fun one for you to figure out. Yeah. That's got some really good puzzle pieces. (laughs) I'm intrigued by it for sure. I need to uh, just up my map reading game a little, a yeah, lot. I, I hear that that, that <laughs> nav is is a bitch. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Um, but that's a, that adds a fun new element to it. So I hope to try someday. Someday, she says. So not next year. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, why do you say it like that? I mean, you, you, I mean, you don't want to try well, it next year? 
there's a whole application process. And so um, you don't get to just sign up once no, you feel I, like I, it. I, no, I know that, but you can want to. You can say, hey, I'm going to try yeah, to yeah. get into Barclay in 2021. Yeah, I'm not sure yet. I think uh, I, I'm just sort of like in the winding down from the year phase. And so uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'll probably start looking ahead and figuring out what I'd like to do. Okay. Um, Cause we don't even still don't know what's coming back. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's like, if this year taught us anything, it's that we can have uh, lots of plans that get thrown out the window really quickly. And so, uh, yeah, I know a ton of races that I was signed up for this past year. I got rolled over for my entry. And so a lot of my schedule will already be determined based on that. Like hard rock and UTMB will again be my focus for those summer races next year because my entry rolled forward, which is pretty fun. All right. Well, listen, this has been great. We're going to give you one more question. We're going to talk about your horrible FKT failure before, (laughs) before I let you go. Perfect. (laughs) Right. I like to, I like to leave people by just bumming them out. So (laughs) tell people what, what you might be getting too big for yourself, Courtney. You know what I mean? It was like, Oh, Courtney's so amazing. Um, so, uh, real quickly then. So, uh, side note, um, Sarah was talking about fangirling around you. Um, she said uh, it was a big deal for her to uh, to run with you. Um, how how, do, how does that affect you when people kind of like fangirl ish? <laughs> I don't know. I thought we were going to talk about my failure. All right, clearly not comfortable with this. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's talk about your horrible FKT failure, um, which was followed by the entire community. So it wasn't just like a private; it was massive public failure of Courtney. Um, tell everybody yeah. what you what what you were attempting to do, and then what happened. I was attempting the Colorado Trail, which is roughly a 500-mile trail from Durango to Denver. goes through a bunch, bunch of mountain ranges, a bunch of, um, yeah, just beautiful terrain here in Colorado. And it's pretty much entirely single track. So, it, yeah, just like it was a no-brainer that I've wanted to try that for years. And with a schedule clear of races this summer, it was like, sweet, we can invest fully in figuring out this 500 mile distance and how to do it well. Um, But I made it 309 miles before I ended up having to stop my attempt. So didn't, didn't uh, quite make it all the way. You're leaving all the fun details, Courtney. (laughs) Uh, Which ones are those? Well, I mean, we, we talked, we just spent an hour talking about how you like to solve problems and move forward. So we should probably talk about um, how you couldn't overcome this one. Yeah, this one. So my lungs from the get go were kind of bugging me. Um, like I remember in the, the first day of running, I was just like, gosh, why my lungs haven't like turned on yet. They haven't gotten the signal to work. Like the rest of my body was feeling great. Everything seemed to be synced up and, and moving but my lungs just felt like they were like lagging behind the whole time. And uh, over the course of the miles and the days, I developed this really like productive cough and this wheeze. So when I was breathing, it was like a um, pretty loud wheeze that was happening. And it just kept getting worse. My crew uh, was getting more and more nervous about it and what it might be, you know, signals of like, could it be uh, some sort of clot or, you know, what should we be worried about? Um, for me, it was just like part of the experience. Like I was ready to take that wheeze all the way to Denver because I didn't, you know, know anything different. I was like, 
I'm running really far. Maybe this is just what happens when you run really far in the mountain. So um, at mile 309, I tried to stop and sleep for a little bit, but I was wheezing so much and coughing so much that I couldn't sleep. And my crew uh, finally made the call to take me to a nearby hospital and get checked out. On the drive to the hospital, I was pretty certain that I could walk into that hospital and tell the doctor what I was doing and that they would look at me and say, well, of course that's happening. You're running really far. Go ahead and get back out there. Right. Like, <laughs> so I was like holding on to that little uh, snippet of hope on the drive to the hospital. But when I got there, uh, really quickly, it became clear that I was going to be checked in and that there would be no more Colorado Trail for me that year. So uh, my blood oxygen was really low. And uh, basically, they ran a bunch of tests, did a bunch of imaging and ended up diagnosing me with acute bronchitis. And that was it. And what was the <laughs> what was what was the what was the time? What's the time right now? What's the FKT now? Uh, so on the route I was doing, it is eight days, okay. nine days. Oh my right. gosh. It was like a number I knew for sure this summer and now I've forgotten it. Right so, around nine days, I think. So for someone that doesn't like to worry about pacing and just feel this one, you had to be like, okay, day one, we're going to go this far approximately, right? No, we didn't do that still. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to put the effort at like yellow orange. Like this is way farther than I've ever gone. So I don't want to sit in orange for over a week. Like I didn't think that was possible, but I'm going to stay in yellow, orange, and I'm going to try and minimize sleep as much as possible. And we'll see when that gets me to Denver. So I didn't have a, a schedule of miles per day. I didn't necessarily have a plan for where I would stop and sleep. It was just like, let's throw all, uh, like, I didn't want to prescribe route. So let's throw that to the side and let's just see what happens if we just go for it. I really like that. It was pretty fun. Yeah. And if we did it again, I mean, now we have 309 miles of, uh, you know, where I was and when and what that felt like for me. So we have a little more information and could probably, you know, do better guessing of where we'd be and when. But I think I'd approach it the same way of just let's go by effort. Let's minimize sleep and let's see what happens. All right. <laughs> but yes, it was a, a, uh, a failure and FKT failure that we should all remember. <laughs> More than anything else, if you yeah. take away anything from today. All right. Is there anything you want to tell people about a website and Instagram and anything? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Courtney Dualter. Say, say hey if you come visit. <laughs> I told you that was quite enjoyable. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're relatively new to the program, welcome to it. As you've learned earlier, every Tuesday, brand new interviews. Every Wednesday, Obstacle Discourse with Davis and Chase, except for this week because we did it early. And uh, Fridays will be the Nitty Gritty Training Podcast. We've got a fabulous YouTube channel you should also check out. I'm going to go ahead and include that in the show notes. Uh, many of you on the podcast may not be following the YouTube, and we're doing a lot of fun stuff there, fun stuff there that isn't necessarily here. Some early release interviews and some interviews that end up only living on YouTube. So be sure to check those out. Thank you so much for listening. Love you. Miss you. Mean it. I have got to run. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. Everything. 
That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 